Everybody over the age of 20 is not allowed to go in. And then the very next thing the Lord says is, now when you go into the land that I've given you. But that's the gospel, my friends. This is the good news. This is why that word gospel means good news. And this is why the Bible teaches good news. Because even though we fail and people fail and things go wrong, that is never the end of the story. Overwhelmed by all the heavy news reported lately, many people have used social media to share good things that have happened. Well, today, Pastor Daniel does the same. You'll learn that even though God's people rejected him and refused to go into the promised land, this wasn't the end of their story. You see, God didn't just walk away. He still had a plan for them. No matter what you've done or how broken you are, God doesn't give up on you. This is the best news. This is the gospel. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 15 as he begins his message, Laws Revisited. All right, everybody, let's open up in those Bibles to the book of Numbers chapter 15. Numbers chapter 15, as we continue our slow sometimes steady journey through the Bible, through the first five books of the Bible at this point, which historically was called the Torah, which means law in Hebrew. Uh, In the Greek, it was called the Pentateuch, which means the five books, very uh, descriptive title. So we're here in the fourth of those five books, the book of Numbers, chapter 15. Now, if you've been tracking with us recently... Chapter 15 seems to kind of come out of the blue, because in chapters 13 and 14, we find that the children of Israel are in full wilderness mode. Not only are they in the wilderness in a literal sense, physically, but they're there spiritually as well. And chapters 13 and 14, we find out that the children of Israel, because they were unwilling to go into the promised land. Now, it's called the promised land because God had promised it to them. God said, look, this is your inheritance. I am giving this to you. But they got their eyes on the circumstances and they said, we are not going in. And if you remember, they sent in these 12 spies. They all came back. 10 of them said, we are not. Yes, there are great cities. It's a great land. The fruit is huge. We're not going in. We can't do it. And two guys, Joshua and Caleb, said, no, we're going to go take the land. God has called us to take the land. All the people side with the scared 10 instead of the faithful two. And what we found out was is that ultimately now that generation, anybody over the age of 20 was not going to go into the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb. They're all going to die in the wilderness. They didn't want the promised land. And God says, you're not going to, because you don't want the promised land, you're not going to inherit it. And then, of course, the children of Israel, when they heard that, they said, oh, well, we're going to go take it right now because they weren't listening. See, and that's the, it's a big, strange reality for us that that's the way we are, isn't it? God says, I want to give you the promised land. I don't want it. And then God says, okay, I'm not going to give it to you. Now I want it. That's the human condition, isn't it? 
And then, as we move into chapter 15, now we get all of these laws revisited. Now, notice chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have come into the land that you, you are to inhabit, which I am giving to you. Now, isn't that weird? He just told them that everybody over the age of 20 is not allowed to go in. And then the very next thing the Lord says is, now, when you go into the land that I've given you. But that's the gospel, my friends. This is the good news. This is why that word gospel means good news. And this is why the Bible teaches good news. Because even though we fail and people fail and things go wrong, that is never the end of the story. And that's the gospel. The gospel is that people fail. But God is not finished yet. God, even though that generation did not want to inherit the land and was not going to inherit the land, God still had a plan and a purpose to bring the people into the promised land. He says, so listen, even though all you people over the age 20, you're not going in, when you're in the land, don't forget my loss. And that is the hope of the gospel. And listen, Jesus said in the world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And the apostle Paul said, Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I am chief. And what's amazing is if you track the apostle Paul's writings in his, one of his earlier letters, one of the earliest written ones, he says, I am the least of all the apostles, right? So he's like, out of all the apostles, out of the 12, I get 12th place. I come in last. And then in another place, a little bit later in his writings, he says, who am the least of all the saints, right? And so literally, as Paul is getting older, first he's like, I'm in 12th place out of the 12. Then for all the people of God, he's like, I'm the least of all of the saints. So of all the Christian people, um, I get last place. And then by 2 Timothy, he said, Jesus Christ, which was his last letter, Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I am chief. So he went from 12th place to the last place of the Christians to I am the last place of all sinners. And my friends, that is actually the progression of our hearts as we walk with Jesus. Because what happens is in the beginning, you're like, you know, I kind of got this together, but I'm saved. And that's a good thing. And I'm not maybe as bad as my friends. And then you walk with Jesus long and you realize, you know, out of all God's people, I really need Jesus' love and his grace. I need salvation. And then you continue walking. You're like, you know what? I can't judge anybody because I'm as bad as anybody. The light of the reality of God puts us in solidarity with all flawed people because we worship the only not flawed person. And we see in the perfections of Jesus our imperfections. But instead of trying to pretend they're not there, we can embrace them and say, this is actually why I believe the gospel in the first place. Because none of us have ever had a purely righteous day left up to our own devices. The only righteousness you or I has ever experienced is the gift, the Bible would call it the imputed righteousness of Jesus. And it's a gift. And we see that God is saying, look, you guys aren't going in the promised land, but listen, when you do go in the promised land, because I promised that land, and you're going to go into that land, and you guys have read enough of the Bible to realize that the story of the children of Israel does not end in the book of Numbers. And it doesn't end 
in the book of Joshua either, where they go in and take the land. The book, the story of the people of God, the children of Israel, ends in the book of Revelation when Jesus comes back and he brings a new heaven and a new earth and the people of God go to their eternal abode. And we always have to remember that we've read the whole book. Because oftentimes, if we stop at the end of Numbers 14, this is the saddest story we've ever read. God delivers people to make them die in the wilderness. And we always, brothers and sisters, it's important we take the long view, isn't it? It's important that we say, God, we know that this isn't finished yet. There's more to be written. There's more that needs to take place. And so I just thought it was extraordinarily odd and beautiful that God, in verse 14, says, you're not going in the land. And then he starts chapter 15. When you go into the land to inhabit, which I am giving to you. Look at what it says in verse 3. And you make an offering by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering, or a sacrifice to fulfill a vow or a free will offering or in your appointed feast to make a sweet aroma to the Lord from the herd or the flock, then he who presents his offering to the Lord shall bring a grain offering of one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one-fourth of a hin of oil and one-fourth of a hin of wine as a drink offering you shall prepare with the burnt offering or the sacrifice for each lamb. Verse 6 or for a ram, you shall prepare a grain offering, two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour, mixed with one-third of a hin of oil. Verse 7, and as a drink offering, you shall offer one-third of a hin of wine as a sweet aroma to the Lord. Verse 8, and when you prepare a young bull as a burnt offering or a sacrifice to fulfill a vow or as a peace offering to the Lord, then shall be offered with a young bull a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with a half a hin of oil, and you shall bring as the drink offering half a hin of wine as an offering made by fire a sweet aroma to the Lord. Thus it shall be for each young bull, for each ram, for each lamb or young goat according to the number that you prepare, so shall you do with everyone according to their number. All who are native-born shall do these things in this manner, in presenting an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Verse 14, and if a stranger dwells with you, or whoever is among you throughout your generations, and would present an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord, just as you do, so shall he do. One ordinance shall be for you, of the assembly and for the stranger who dwells with you in ordinance forever throughout your generations. As you are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord. One law and one custom shall be for you and for the stranger who dwells among you. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, verse 7, 18, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land in which I bring you, then it will be when you eat of the bread of the land that you shall offer up a heave offering to the Lord and you shall offer up a cake of the first of your ground meal as a heave offering, as a heave offering of the threshing floor, so shall you offer it of the first of your ground meal. You shall give it to the Lord, a heave offering throughout your generations. And all of God's people said, Amen. Now, we have looked at all of this in an in-depth manner in Leviticus chapters 1 to 7. So if you want to get 
all the details that we have here, plus a whole lot more, I want to point you back to the archives because we had a more in-depth treatment to give you a quick flyover without all the details because we've already covered them in um, more specificity. That's a nice word, isn't it? But if check out that series and we went through all the different offerings, what they were, why they're there, how they're different. Here's what we need to know. The whole sacrificial system was given to the children of Israel to always remind them that the things that they need are given to them as a gift of God. So whether it's a lamb or a bull or the ground, the harvest, whether it's wine or oil, all of these different things were exactly what they needed to live. They were all the staple foods. And there is always the reality for the people of God that the things that sustain us are not our actual source, but God is the source of our life. And God is the one who bestows all of these things to sustain our lives. So your job is not what pays your bills. God pays your bills and he utilizes your job, right? Food is not actually what nourishes your body. God is who nourishes your body. And God gives us food to be able to do that. And by the children of Israel having an extensive sacrificial system, it was a continual reminder to them that the things that they utilized to make life flourish were actually gifts of God, and he deserves the first fruits of them. And listen, really what God is doing over and over and over again is teaching them how not to break the very first commandment, which is, you shall have no other gods before me. And really, Martin Luther said that if you, the only reason you'll break any of the other of the Ten Commandments is if you first break the first commandment, right? The reason you'll covet or steal or take the Lord's name, is because you're putting something else in front of God. So every area of their life was devoted sacrificially to God, saying, God, really all these things that I need, and they're important things, and they're part necessities of life, all of these are from you as a gift, and so we return to you the gifts that you've given us. That's really important, isn't it? Especially when you move into the New Testament, and we find out that what is the sacrifice that God desires? First, it's Jesus. Jesus is the sacrifice that fulfills all sacrifices. And then because of Jesus being the sacrifice, now we give the Lord, we present our bodies as living sacrifices. What that means is that your life and my life is not our own. It's not my life. This is the Lord's life. I just get to live it out. And the key for you and I is that every single day, And sometimes multiple times in the day, we have to show up as a living sacrifice. That's a paradoxical phrase. That's another big word for eight o'clock at night, but it's a good word. It's a paradox, a living sacrifice. It's like an alive dead thing. That's what it means. But we present our bodies, our lives as alive, but dead. We're saying, Lord, we are alive to you, but we are dead to ourselves. And this life is yours. How do you want to use this life? And that is the responsibility of each one of us. But we have to ask ourselves, are we really presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice? Are we really saying, God, this life is yours because in you I live and I move and I have my being and you are the breath in my lungs and you are the beating of my heart and my brain functions because you have ordained it and my brain will not function not one moment longer than you have ordained for it to. 
And we turn that all back to God and we say, God, this is not my life. Forgive me for stealing my own life, thinking it's mine. So God asks all of his kids to present ourselves as living sacrifices. And if you read that verse, that's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, which is your reasonable service, or some of your translations, your spiritual act of worship. And there's a number of, the King James and the New King James, that it's your reasonable service. I love the, um, the logic style of the translation. It's like, dude, given what God has done, that's a reasonable thing to do. It's like, given that God has done this, you giving your life to him is reasonable. It's not irrational. It's not fanatical. That's just the reasonable thing to do, given what God has done for us. But it's an act of worship. We worship God by giving back to him what he has given to us. That's what worship is. Worship is not God. We're going to give you what you're lacking. Worship is saying, God, you have given it to us, and we're just turning it back to you. It's kind of like when you go to a, and it's, and it's a poor analogy and because I'm making it up on the fly, but that's how it goes. It's like when you go to a stadium and they give you like uh, the Homer hanky or something, they're really not giving it to you. They're giving it to their own team, but you get to wave it. You know what I'm talking about? Or what? I don't know. Pick your sport. But it's like they're giving it to you because they want it. It's like when you go to a concert and they give you a glow stick and at what special time they want you to break the glow sticks and you spin it around. The whole place looks like a big glow stick spinning around. You guys know what I'm talking, you guys know what I'm talking about. Anyway. That's what I'm talking about. Anyway, the idea is, is that God has given us things so that we can turn it back to him in praise. And that's the meaning of life. The meaning of life is learning how not to hoard your life for yourself, but say, God, you have given me breath and life and talents. I just turn it back to you. Say, God, what do you want to do? How do you want to use these talents? They're your talents. They're not mine. I just get to hang out with them and I get to see what you want to do. Notice also, all these different offerings, again, you can find all of them in our series called Sacrifice in the Book of Leviticus. Notice also that when it comes not only to the children of Israel, but to the stranger in the land, it's the exact same rules. There's not one set for the children of Israel and one set for the foreigner who's living there, like we have situational ethics. No, it's the same rules for everyone. There's one set of customs. Everybody's meant to be the same. And I love that about the Lord, because God doesn't grade on a curve. God doesn't say, oh, well, listen, you don't really like that, so it's not for you, that's for the other guy. Everybody has the same standards that we're called to live up to. Everybody has the same things that we're supposed to do in our lives. And I think we need to remember that, because I think what happens is, is we live in such an individualistic culture that we kind of think that the things of God are like a buffet. Well, I really don't want to eat red meat today. You know, I really do want to have a second helping of eggs. Or whatever. And we pick and choose the things that we actually want to embrace instead of saying, no, no, no. God, this is your word. And we're all held to the standard. We all fail to live up to the standard. That's why we believe in Jesus. But God does not say, well, listen, you, yeah, it's not, it's not for you. It's for all of us. He wants all of us to live the same way. He wants all of us to love, to forgive, to be compassionate, to serve. I mean, Jesus said the greatest commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all that you are, heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is like it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. The golden rule, as we call it, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And it doesn't say unless you were born in December. 
And then we got another rule for you. Or unless you have a different nationality. Or unless you really don't like loving your neighbor because you think your neighbor is not the best person. There's no exceptions to the rule. There's one law. There's one custom. And I love the fact that even in the midst of God giving the land to the children of Israel, God still desires for the foreigner or the stranger, someone who is not ethnically Jewish, to be part of the covenant community. All of you come from different places, different backgrounds, different educations. If we went around the room, and we won't, probably people come from all different parts of the globe, different hemispheres, all these different things, but yet we're all together as part of the family of God. Because God's plan was never for one ethnic group of people, only them. God's plan was always for the human community to come under the authority of the Messiah Jesus and to live together as a family in all of our wondrous diversity. But the ethics of the kingdom are still the same. So fascinating. All that's fascinating. Now look what happens. Verse 22. And we've, again, we're revisiting these things. So we've seen a lot of these already. We've talked about them, but we can talk about them again a little more. It's fun for us. Verse 22. If you sin unintentionally and do not observe all these commandments which the Lord has spoken to Moses, all that the Lord has commanded you by the hand of Moses from the day the Lord gave commandment and onward throughout your generations, then it will be if it is unintentionally committed without the knowledge of the congregation that the whole congregation shall offer one young bull as a burnt offering as a sweet aroma to the Lord with the grain offering and its drink offering according to the ordinance and one kid of the goats as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for the whole congregation of the children of Israel and it shall be forgiven them for it was unintentional. They shall bring their offering an offering made by fire to the Lord and their sin offering before the Lord for their unintended sin. It shall be forgiven the whole congregation of the children of Israel and the stranger who dwells among them because all the people did it unintentionally. Verse 27, and if a person sins unintentionally, then he shall bring a female goat in the first year as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for the person who sins unintentionally when he sins unintentionally before the Lord to make atonement for him and it shall be forgiven him. You shall have one law for him who sins unintentionally, for him who is a native born among the children of Israel, and for the stranger who dwells among them. Now, this is the ordinances for somebody who transgresses against the law, but doesn't realize they're doing it. Notice it's an unintentional sin. Jesus is We all need reminders at times. Well, the Israelites were no different. In today's study, Pastor Daniel shared that God gave them a refresher course on the laws so that they would remember that the things that they needed to live were really all gifts from the Lord. You also learned that these laws applied to everyone. Each person was held to the same standards. In the same way, you don't get to pick and choose which parts of the Bible you want to obey. God wants everyone to do the same thing, love him and love other people. Everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, 
and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel continues to look at the laws God gave the children of Israel. You'll investigate how your decisions affect everyone around you. You'll see that the priests had to make atonement for the whole community when one person sinned because it affected the entire group. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.